Hello, 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 everybody. I'm Pedro. And I'm Meredith. And this is Gritty Reboot. Today, talking about not a reboot, because we do that every now and then. Is that right? Yeah, we do something strange. Yeah, yeah. Unworldly. So, uh, yeah, unworldly. That's that's the way to put it. Uh, today, we are taking a look at one of the great American legends of the uh, shootout at the OK Corral and Wyatt Earp. Yeah. We are taking a look at Tombstone and Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp. I know he didn't direct it, but let's just refer to it as Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp, because it's about three hours plus of him masturbating on screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is totally an ego project of Kevin Costner's. Yeah. As I guess there are most things, but... Anyway, it causes the film to be a bit of a mess, a spoiler for our review of the film. We'll get to hear later how Michael Madsen felt about this film. Oh, I'd be very intrigued and by Kevin that. Kevin Costner. I'd be very intrigued. Int- he, was, he was very oddly cast in this movie. Yeah. I would, you know, it's not where I, I would put him, I suppose. But, you know, I, I don't think he was that bad. He wasn't the worst performance in the movie, but he wasn't the best either. Um, well, was this the first time you'd seen White Earp? No. Had you seen it before? Yeah, I caught it on television. You caught it on TV? Yeah. So there was no fervor in our house for to, to go see it. To watch Wyatt Earp? And yeah. I know your mom is a big historical, mm-hmm. big on historical dramas. And to be fair, this is a f- somewhat fairly accurate telling of things for Hollywood. Obviously, they do take some liberties here and there. But Wyatt Earp from 1994 is actually a fairly accurate telling of the things that did occur. From what I understand. Yeah, it's much more accurate than the other film, Tombstone, the, or any other adaptation. The good reviews this movie did get at the time, that's what they said. Yeah, this, this is certainly a, a much deeper look into the, the man Wyatt Earp was, and more of a realistic look at some of the things as opposed to the legend. Apparently, this movie leads me to believe that Wyatt Earp was kind of a jerk. Yes, yes. What was my catchphrase during this movie? Like, am I, am I supposed to like White Earp? Yeah. Am I supposed to like this guy? Who's the who's the who's the hero of this movie? Yeah, because Tombstone, it's like he's the hero. Absolutely. He gets yeah. everybody together. They oh yeah, yeah. Shooting pale, pale, pew. Exactly. Yeah. No, he's absolutely in charge in that movie, and he's a little bit. Well, there certainly is some shade to him. He certainly is a heroic character in that film, yeah. and that's not really who he is here. And I understand that's trying to be a bit more realistic. Yeah. But. It's okay if you do that, and it has a point, which is probably my, my my main gripe about this movie, as it just sort of wanders from place to place. Yeah. This movie almost feels like an anthology film, like a series of vignettes. It really does. Like, it, it just feels like they're not, like, one cohesive movie. Like, all these scenes just sort of occur, and then it ends. And that's it. Are you sure it's not because we didn't break this film up into three parts? Now, that that is true. We So we watched this movie, and we were pretty bored during our initial sit-through. And so at around 95 minutes, we decided to stop the film, pretty much when they're about to head to Tombstone. Mm-hmm. And said, okay, well, we'll pick this up tomorrow. And then the next day, I think we just got busy or had something else to watch, maybe a football game or something like that. I don't really recall, but we certainly didn't go back and watch the movie. We were in no hurry. No, yeah, we trust me, we were not hurting to finish no. the film. So after that, we go and we watch the movie the very next day, and we discovered that it was a rental, and we were running out of time. Yeah. So we were desperately trying to get everything together, and the one thing I remember is, all right, babe, we have to hurry, and then you like carefully made your hot dogs 
with like each individual drop of like cheddar cheese you on it had to be I'm perfect. Particular. I have to get it my way. So we were able to watch 40 more minutes of the movie, which was not enough to finish it. This movie is like what, three hours and 12 minutes? It's fucking long. Yeah, it's a very, very, it's a very long film and it feels much longer it's too long. than that. Yeah, I think that's probably the craziest thing about it. This is 190 minutes to be 100%. 190 minutes, a very long film. And it does feel much longer, as I said. So, we, yeah, like I said, we split it up into three parts. And I think that helped, I suppose. But I still obviously didn't care for this movie. I didn't either. I remember watching this film as a kid. And you know what? I remembered its final scene. Its final scene has stuck with me for a long time. And it's not really a spoiler to, to sort of talk about. It's just a, it's a story that's been told about Wyatt for a number of years. Yeah. Him and the prisoner. You know, like I said, I vividly remembered it when it came up at the end of the movie. Like I remembered it shot for shot. I don't know why it was like burned on in my brain, but I remember renting the dual VHS box and popping this in and thinking it was going to be something special because I really, really enjoyed Tombstone and then being incredibly disappointed by this super long and boring movie. And that was pretty much it, in all honesty. I don't think I ever saw it again after the VHS tape until three days ago or four days ago when we finally finished this movie. Yeah, that was our logic, too, that we were going to watch it first because we knew that Tombstone watching that first would, like, make it worse for us. Yeah, we we felt not necessarily this film could be like a hidden gem, but we wanted to give it a fair we shake. Did. We tried. It's not to watch the more entertaining popcorn Hollywood version and try to give the slower paced film a, a shot. But this film is glacially paced. Yeah, it really is like it, it makes like I had to watch Elephant earlier in the week. And that's a, a Gus Van Sant movie about school shooting. And, and it's just well, Gus Van Sant can just put the camera down and let actors walk into the frame and let them walk out and let the camera keep running. Yeah. And even that moved much quicker than this film did. You know, if you ever watch Last Days where it's kind of about Kurt Cobain, that is like the most like just put the camera down and it's kind of whatever. Like is that one of his. Yeah, that's another Gus Van Sant film. And it just kind of reminded me, that's sort of what I thought of. It's like, those movies are slow, but those are art pieces that are supposed to, there's something to, they're telling me in how mundane it is. I don't know what this movie wanted to tell me over three hours. I really don't. Wanted to tell you about Wyatt Earp? Other than, other than it, Kevin Costner said, you know what? I'm going two for two in Westerns, baby. I just knocked out Dancing with Wolves. I'm going with Wyatt Earp this time. So let's talk about Kevin Costner. We're talking about two movies in one year. Let's talk about how we sort of got here. <laughs> Originally, Tombstone was the first property that was to be made, to be produced, correct? Yeah, that's what I saw first. And that was shopped around. And yeah, you saw it first. You yeah. Before Kevin Costner, they optioned was you. the first person. They optioned you for the role of, of, of Wyatt Earp. And <laughs> really, really ahead of their time. <laughs> so anyway, they approached Costner about it, and he digs it. But he's just like, you know what? It's kind of an ensemble piece. You know, what, what's, what's something that's going to be all about Kevin? Yeah. What's what's when's it gonna be Kev's time, huh? When when's it gonna be my time to shine? So he wanted a more white or focused narrative, and I, I mean, Tombstone kind of is. I mean, he's the lead. I mean, yes, the other brothers share in screen time, and certainly they are diminished in this version. They are super diminished compared <laughs> to Kevin Costner. Yeah, but it is. If Wyatt Earp was a fascinating character, it'd be fine. And I guess that's really the problem here now, isn't it? I don't know much about old Wider. I do a bit. I do a bit. Like, so I can't really speak on that. L- listen, it doesn't matter who Wyatt Earp was when he was alive. Because we are not historians. Like uh, Lawrence Kasdan and Kevin Costner are not out there trying to get their PhDs in history. They're making a fucking movie. Yeah. Okay? 
It doesn't have to be 100% accurate no. to what occurred. That is inconsequential to it being a That's solid film. That's why Tombstone is great. Yeah. And if they wanted to do a realistic take, they really needed to commit to it. Because they really just don't. They don't commit to really any kind of vision. And that's my number one problem with the movie, is that they just don't commit to anything. As I said, it's just a collection of scenes, and then eventually the movie ends. Yeah. They don't build any tension with any of the, any of the antagonists. The only antagonist that they build tension with is Wyatt Earp himself. Yeah. That's the only antagonist I disliked the movie was Wyatt Earp. I don't know anything about the Cowboys or Johnny Ringo, really, this I did like in Tombstone. I mean, they're, they're way less... Important to the narrative. I mean, they're there. Yeah, but like just... Doc Holliday, he's just a guy that's sick. Yeah, I mean, Doc's probably the other big character in the but movie. He, Dennis Quaid does a really good job. Dennis Quaid does do a really good job. But yeah. It, does, it doesn't really matter how good a job Dennis Quaid does. No. Because it's like, it's like you're a pitcher, and you go out and you strike out like 18 batters, but the other pitcher doesn't give up any runs either, and you give up a home run late, and the other pitcher gets all the glory. And that's sort of what happened. Even though Dennis Quaid gives like the performance of his career, it doesn't matter because Val Kilmer gave an iconic performance in a much more popular movie (laughs) in the same role six months earlier. Yeah. And so no one cares how good a job Dennis Quaid did because it's simply not as fun as Val Kilmer's version of the character. Yeah. And because of that, he is doomed to be forgotten, which this movie is. Like when I Googled it, I tried to initially... After we lost our first rental, I tried to go back and find an illegal copy and download it. And it was like Wyatt Earp versus the Martians, a mystery science theater movie or <laughs> version of it. And I was like, well, this is amusing, but not very helpful. So, like I said, this movie really doesn't have any cultural impact at all, while Tombstone is a classic Western. Yeah. So Kevin Costner and his arrogance to do it his way, you know, a very Wyatt Earp focused film really missed out. Mm-hmm. And uh, this film was a bomb. It was a sixty million dollar budget, made around twenty five, didn't it? It had a sixty three million dollar budget, grossed twenty five million. Twenty five million dollars. That's it. I didn't look up the numbers for Tombstone, but I know it made north of fifty five million dollars. I didn't look up, and it was a much cheaper film either because it was shorter. And I'm pretty sure Kevin Costner costs a lot more than Kurt Russell does. Yeah, especially and, in 1993. And like I mentioned, they had to import all the costumes from Europe. Because Tombstone had, Tombstone taken, had taken everything. Yeah, yeah. This was a legendary story back in the Tombstone day. Tombstone Studios, they started in 1993. Yeah, well, I mean, they, that's why they got to theaters first. Also, they were shorter as well. But yeah, they did start production before Wyatt Earp did. And that didn't hurt the other production. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I can give them an award for one of the biggest wastes of Gene Hackman. Yeah. Yeah, one of the biggest. He's in it, like two minutes. Yeah, he's in only a few minutes of the movie. Despite his presence, one of the greatest actors of all time, it doesn't help the rest of the cast. Sean Connery was actually chosen to be in that role. That would have been stupid. <laughs> I would have loved his fucking Scottish accent to come out there. So Wyatt. he turned it down. <laughs> Wyatt, you're mucking with a G. That would have been awful if he'd have been out there. You've got to go to the army this early. That doesn't even sound like Sean Connery. No, you sound kind of Irish. <laughs> Uh, uh, impressions are not my forte you know what we haven't even started talking about this three and a half hour movie yeah I know so anyway listen the the point of the story is that Kevin Costner sucks and he's missed out on great opportunities yeah we kind of hate Kevin (laughs) yeah we kind of do you know he he turned down Kill Bill right he's supposed to be Bill I couldn't it was written for him couldn't imagine oh I totally could he'd have been way better you think so he'd have been amazing he'd have been fucking yes he'd have been fucking amazing the second I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, I can see what Tarantino saw. That would have been fucking awesome with him as as Bill. 
I, I don't see it. Oh, man, I totally could have seen it, but it's not his kind of movie. Mm. Kevin Costner only does what Kevin Costner wants to do, as we now know. Yeah, but Kevin Costner has done much in years. He's Yellowstone. That's oh, a big yeah. hit. Yeah, just because it's in your blind spot doesn't mean he's not oh, there. Yeah. yeah, just like a car. You just can't just turn right in the lane and hope for the best. All right, are you ready to get get going on this opus? Are you ready to be mildly amused by some elements of the first act? <laughs> It opens in a saloon. A man puts his revolver on the bar. That man, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. That's right. The man of Waterworld himself. Yeah. He has to pee in a cup, and he will one day purify that into water. Oh, sorry. Wrong film. So the movie opens up at the end. Of, or The movie opens up like right before the fight in the OK Corral. Yeah. When I, when I saw this scene, I thought of that Rick and Morty joke where Morty goes to talk to this guy. And he says, can I read you my screenplay? And he starts reading the screenplay and he does that same gag where he's like, there's a chase for our lives. And I jump across the crater three weeks earlier. And Morty rolls his eyes and he's like, movie should start, you know, where the stories start. Not, you know, tell me something interesting. And that's the first thing I thought of when I, I saw this movie is like, it's like, if that's the most interesting thing you have to show me, which was actually pretty dull, we are in for a truly, truly boring adventure. Yeah. Two guys show up and give Wyatt Earp the lowdown. A boy hugs his brother. And gets out of there. A man on a horse is looking for him. I love your interpretation of the film. Little Wyatt hugs his younger brother Mm -hmm. and takes off into the wilderness. Runs through the cornfield because he's going to go join the army. And this is true to life, as a matter of fact. This is something that Wyatt Earp did. His father busted him many times trying to sneak off to go fight in the army. Mm. So this is something that they actually did pick from real life. So props to him on that. It's Gene Hackman. He's on a horse. Gene Hackman. He's the dad. He's the father. He spouts his wisdom about Wyatt wanting to join the army, and he gets him to come home, even after he snuck out again. He hackmans it here, which is really good. That's what you, what you want to see. You know, he comes in, delivers a really good performance in a small part. Reminding me of Wind's World 2, when they bring in Charlton Heston. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he's just gravitasing his way through these lines and just cashing his paycheck and leaving at the end of the day. Yeah. Just, he's like, I'm only only 15 more years to welcome to Mooseport and I can retire. <laughs> I just, I feel so bad a legendary actor retired in a rom-com with uh, Ray Romano. Yeah. He wasn't hooking up with Ray Romano. He was just a part of the the movie. You sure he wasn't? I don't know. I haven't seen it. You know what? Maybe I should watch it. It could be (laughs) like a really progressive gay romance. I want to see a makeout scene between Ray Romano and an old Gene Hackman. You see those eyes are making at each other. (laughs) I wish I could do a Hackman impression. (laughs) All right. Young Wyatt plays with a gun. He does. Virgil comes back. Michael Madsen from the war. Yeah, yeah. So we get to see these guys return from the Civil War, and they put the family together, and 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 we actually get like the the real whole family, not the real family, but the most narratives omit some of the brothers because they didn't have TV back then. So the Wyatts had a bunch of kids. Yeah, he has a bunch of brothers and sisters. Yeah, and there's you know the Tombstone's only going to cover the three siblings, right? Yeah, and there, yeah. There's there's way more. There's 18 more. No, but I think I know he has a, a Warren, the younger brother. I go through it a little later. Okay, yeah. He does have, he, they do cover quite the brood of, yeah. of the herbs. Pa Herb tells everyone they should move. Yeah, Parp. He's, he's got a lot of children. He does. Just, just a baby making factory. Yeah. The Herb family sets about moving their stuff to California. Young Wyatt goes into town. He witnesses two guys shoot and kill the other one. It makes him throw up. Yeah, he's initially sickened by the sight of this kind of violence. Yeah, the horse is shot too. Later in the film, it will only arouse him. Pa Earp gives, gives Wyatt another lesson for on fighting. 
And people tell him to hit to kill. He goes, Parp, please tell me how to fight to kill. Parp. It's Parp. Parp. Not Parp. Parp. Uh. <laughs> All right, continue on. Continue on. I'm sorry. I added nothing to that. Yeah, you just made it. Dragging work. the show down. The shows are worse. Yeah. Now we're with the older Wyatt, and he's being shot at while racing a wagon of stolen goods, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So this is them in the future. It's there in the future. They're, they're grown it's the up. Year twenty one forty five. Wyatt Earp has traveled through time. He's the only person that can stop the apocalypse. That would probably be a much better movie. <laughs> it really, it really would be. I'd love that film. This movie's so boring. We can't stay on topic. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I'm getting bored thinking about recapping this movie. That's what. That's that's where we're at right now. So. Yes, they are taking a, a stagecoach across the way, and he has his buddy riding shotgun for him. Yeah. It's an action scene. The guys chasing the wagon eventually stop chasing after the wagon. They're, then we go to a scene where they're building a railroad. This movie is in no hurry. Yeah, th- this is anywhere. This is where you can really feel it, because this is just a, a really pointless scene of just atmosphere. They're right? building a railroad. Yeah, just atmosphere of the yeah. world, right? Yeah. Like I'm okay when Terrence Malick does it because that generally has a point, but this is just just kind of window dressing before we're going to get into the narrative of the movie. We come in on Wyatt and he's refing a boxing match. Two guys are really wailing their way at each other. Yeah, Wyatt gets punched out by a guy that lost money during the match. And this is another true to life fact: Wyatt Earp would be a boxing referee throughout his entire life. This was, yeah, this is a legit thing he would do. Matter of fact, one of the things he was famous for before someone started to make movies about him and and the OK Corral was they thought he fixed a boxing match, a very famous one back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And that's one of the reasons he was in Hollywood, because he wanted to change his reputation. And boy, did he accomplish that. Yeah. But just an interesting fact. He he was an, an avid boxing referee. As am I. As am I. That's a lie. Mm, you don't know that. They don't know that. I do know that. Mm. And they will know that. <laughs> Continue on. Why gets punched out by a guy that lost money during the match? Because they were all betting on him and he's the ref and he controls the outcome of the match. Yes, that is how sports works. Yes. Thank you for recapping. You're, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm here for. So they, they hit each other until one of them falls down is the rules of the match, right? Wyatt is gambling when he's called out by the same guy that punched him from earlier. Wyatt takes a ball from the pool table and throws it at his throat, takes him out. Wyatt takes his gun. This is actually really cool. He practices a little pulling it from his holster smoothly. And then fireworks go off. So it's it's in tandem of a fireworks show. Yeah, this is one of the neater scenes in the movie where he fights this guy. Yeah. One of the things that is true about Wyatt Earp, yes, he was a gambler, but uh, he was also a really excellent fighter. Like, that's just one thing. I mean, there's there's a reason he was never shot. Like, he was really good at this Wild West Sheriff bit. Yeah. So that was one thing he was always able to handle himself. And the scene really captures that pretty nicely. This is probably one of the few, like, good scenes in the movie where something is accomplished without a character sitting down and pondering about it for five minutes. And it just shows me some action and I get it. But Earp is an honorable man at this point. Yeah, he's happy, so he goes to see Yorella, played by Annabelle Gish. He gives her some yeah. flowers. Is Annabeth Gish? 
Oh, sorry, Annabeth. Yeah, Annabeth Gish. She was in the X Files. She was in the X Files. Yeah, I remember. She was in the X Files. <laughs> I was like, hey, is Annabeth Gish from the X Files? That's the only person, the only way I know her. Yeah, I had a crush on her when I was a kid. I don't know why. Well, there you go. Yeah, she's very cute. And I thought about that when I saw her in this movie. And uh, she does play Wyatt Earp's wife. And, and this this is generally supposed to be what happened in, in real life. He comes to Lamar to st- study law and marry Aurelia. Yeah, and that, that was the original plan for Wyatt Earp. He wanted to not become a lawman, but to be a lawyer. And I wrote, they don't look like they have much chemistry. They no, they really bother. don't. They really don't. Yeah. Kevin Costner is just couldn't, can't be bothered. They sit down to dinner and talk about proposals. The movie's very, like, almost like twinkly happy with everything that's happening with these characters. Yeah. Like, it, it's very much tipping its hand that something horrible is about to occur. The next scene is them showing, like, they go to an empty house that's for sale, and yeah. they're trying to buy it. Yeah, they're able to buy this house for, like, 70 bucks. Yeah, they're all happy about it, and they make out in the living room. They do. They just, right there with the guy selling the house, they just yeah. get it on. They get it on. Yeah. They're <laughs> like, what exhibitionists? We don't care. Uh, it's the Wild West, don't you know? Is that how it works? Don't you know. <laughs> Oh, it's the Wild West, don't you know? <laughs> I'm here in Nova Are Scotia. We in Fargo? <laughs> uh, I like how you gave the least Fargo accent to say, Fargo! <laughs> <laughs> this show's off the rails! They eventually get married. They do. Over 25 years, they decide to get married. Now they're gardening and talking it's and being together it's always. It's flowers. They make sweet. Music. Sweet love. Oh, they do. There's there's a breeze flowing through the curtains. But Urella is sick. Yes. She's covered in spots. She's got typhoid. Yeah. They have to quarantine the house. She dies and they have a funeral. Yeah, and this is the heel turn for Wider yeah. in this movie. And I suppose this is supposed to be true to life. There's some people who don't even think that she died this way. There's some people who think she just left him. Well, he did have three wives. He did. He, he did. he did have three wives, and the parents of this woman hated her. There is a grave, apparently, but there's some dispute if she actually was in it. So, I don't know. It's a fun little historical fact. You can look up more by any other Wyatt Earp podcast. I'm not a historical. This is not a historical podcast, so. Nope. But just letting you know. It's fairly true to life. This is where Wyatt starts drinking heavily. Yeah, like I said, he makes the heel turn. He starts drinking all the time. He's, like, living on the streets. He's a bum. Stealing horses. He uh, gets drunk and he sets fire to the house that he shared with his wife. And Not then, true. He sells the house. He just sold it. And then there's Arkansas. Nine months later. Yeah. He had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. He's Wyatt in Arkansas. Gets thrown out of a barn. And th- this is where he's living like the hobo lifestyle. Yeah. He's begging for money and for food. Yeah. Wyatt ends up beating the guy up stealing his money and house. Just some random dude who comes out. He Horse. Just, I'm yeah. sorry. So, yeah, he stole his house. <laughs> he strapped into his back and ran. <laughs> Why? There's the strongest man alive. Okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> I know. He's stealing his money. I like and your version. Yeah, so he stole his horse and his cash. And he ends up selling the horse to get some cash. And uses it, uses it to get some whores. Some whores. He actually uses it to take a bath. And a whore. And a whore comes yeah, in, a, yeah, just like you're in The Witcher. Yeah, just like you're in The Witcher. And they bathe you and tell you sweet nothings. Yeah, they do. They sweet nothings. That's <laughs> that's my favorite part of it. The sweet nothings. 
couple of men knock the glass over. Oh, this head. is getting interesting. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> and knock him clean out. Yeah. He wakes up in a cell. He gets busted for being a horse thief. And someone dressed him, by the way, because he wakes up fully clothed. Yeah, and he's. I I just wanted him to be like wet and naked, like, huh? Where am I? What happened? I I don't get what I want in this movie. Nobody's having any fun. He wakes up and Pa Herb is there. Parp, please, Parp, help me. Coming to his rescue. Parp, rescue me, please. I stole a horse. Probably the last time I'll say Pa Herb. Yeah, because this is the final scene that he's in. He He tells him never to come back to Arkansas ever again. He shames his son, but saves him. Yeah. So he pays his bail and says, get the fuck out of here. Never come home. Go away. And so he goes to make his fortune, as White Earp would, would do. White Earp was... Obsessed with making money. Wyatt got a couple of horses and a cart now, and he's watching a bunch of buffalo. Beefalo. He goes into town. He does. He goes into town. He tries to get coffee at the bar. Ultimately, gets forced to drink a whiskey by another dude. But he doesn't. He pulls a gun instead. Yeah. This is to let us know that Wyatt is now on the straight and narrow. Thanks, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like I got it. I got it. In comes Ed Masterson, played by Bill Pullman. And Bat Masterson, played by Tom Sizemore. And they're both actually good. This is two of the better supporting roles here that are more accurate to real life than Tombstone. And they ask Wyatt for a job. We do. Such mundane things. Yeah, do. like it, it really does. It does feel like a TV show to some extent. Like they're just wandering in to talk about these sort of things and filling time. Ed, Bat, and Wyatt kill some buffalo. They kill a bunch just for their hides. They kill so, this, so many fucking buffalo. So this is... um. This movie's really poorly edited. I don't know how, like, a lot of these things really came together. Like, this movie has impeccable costumes. The art design is really great. And the cinematography can be truly outstanding. But the the way this buffalo scene is edited makes the herd look, like, really tiny, right? And looks makes their slaughter look immense. Like, they they just literally slaughtered the last of the buffalo, right? Yeah. That's the way it really looks. It's just, it's an, it's odd how much time the movie spends here. How many different shots we get of them, like, massacring Buffalo? Dude. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's just... Yeah, it, the movie does really pick its spots strangely where mm-hmm. it's going to spend a lot of its time. And this is one of them, and I just look at and I'm like, I don't understand this. Wyatt becomes a dealer at a saloon. He gets all high and mighty on the bartender for dating a sex worker. Did you actually write sex worker in there? Yeah. They're whores, all right? We're in the Old West. No. It's not piano, it's piani, and there's no sex workers or whores. It's sex worker. Yeah. You can say a lady of the night. I could have said a lady of the night. Scarlet woman. Is that a good thing to say? Scarlet woman? Is it? I don't know. Is it a negative thing? Well, I know it's not a positive thing to say, but I thought it was like a a kind euphemism for for whore. Sex worker, if you will. Yeah, that's what they Sex worker, yeah. But in in the old west, they, they were whores. Whatever. Hey, listen, and prostitutes, they made the economy run. Yeah. They were a big part of the economy back then. Wyatt Earp was, that's why he, that's where he made a lot of his money in doing that shit. So well, there you go. Legitimately. Yeah. He was a pimp. He did like his whores. Yeah. He was, he was a pimp for a long period and made good money that way. All of his wives were, all the Earp boys married whores, except for Virgil, probably. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I boned up on Wyatt Earp stuff. So I know, good, I, good know I know, I know Wyatt Earp. They all married whores. What's her face from Shit's Creek, the, the wife of Virgil? What's her name? Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, that's that's the woman I'm talking about. She was not a hooker. Yeah, I can see yeah. Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, and she was a, a sharp, sharp woman. She was accurately portrayed by Catherine O'Hara. 
Hmm. But I wanted to mention that right now, so I'll probably forget later on. She was accurately portrayed, and she was known to talk shit to anybody back then. Didn't care how big they were, or race, or gender. She would just flip shit to anybody. Oh, so I've heard you liked her. Yeah. I would like that, too. Yeah. The next morning, a guy is raising hell, shooting up the place. Nobody has the courage to stop it, except one man. Yeah, so he Why just sort of goes hurt? there without like eating, getting properly dressed, right? Yeah. The sheriff is like two chicken shit that goes in. He just goes in there, smacks the guy, and comes right out of there. Yeah, and so they make him deputy. At the pay of like 100 a week or a month? No, I think the sheriff makes 100 so he makes like 75 or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Being a sheriff back then was an incredible, incredibly lucrative thing to be. Yeah. Because you basically made like money straight off the tax. You could become like, you know, like a cowboy was going to make like one to two bucks a day. You know, you were going to make $36,000 a year as a, as a lawman. Yeah. So that's a big difference in cash. So it was a very sought after position. They didn't have to twist the herb's arm to go into law enforcement. Wyatt goes to meet his brother's wife as he just got into town. They ban guns in Dodge City and the Clemens crew comes riding through town, firing all their guns right in Wyatt's face. Yeah, they certainly want to make a big display that they are in charge that they kind of do whatever they want to do. And, and this is a new idea. And it certainly does. I think the movie sort of captures some of the problems with it, but it's sort of answered in like one kind of lame confrontation. Right. Yeah. That's really all we get. And that's, that's all we understand the nuance of taking weapons away. Correct. Wyatt, Wyatt threatens the crew, but they relinquish their guns. Ed bat and bat get embarrassed by Wyatt, who knocks two drunks out instead of talking to them. So Ed and Bat are trying to be good sheriffs. They're trying to do things right. And they're trying to talk to people, develop yeah. a sense of community where yeah. they can just easily diffuse situations uh, with their words. And to be honest, from a historical perspective, they actually were incredibly successful at that. They yeah. really were. So as the movie kind of does show that they they were very good at, you know, being able to de-escalate things with just their words, as opposed to Wyatt Earp was a skull cracker. Yeah. You know, it's just how he worked. Ed and Bat eventually come to get Wyatt to see the mayor after he spends the night with Maddie, a sex worker. A sex worker. Not, not a whore. A sex worker. I yeah. Want to be clear. Yeah, we want to there be are clear. no whores in this movie. Only sex workers. That's right. Yeah. The mayor is concerned about how he's been handling things. So he gets wind that he's been acting like a jerk to everybody that comes into town. Pushing his weight around. Cock- I like to push cock- people around. Feel like a big man. Yeah. That's what I like. Dumb Wyatt Earp. And once again, uh, am I supposed to like Wider? Yeah. Because he's sort of portrayed as, as a bully here, which is, I mean, I guess somewhat accurate. But then again, these weren't, you know, gentle guys he was dealing with. So you can look at it from one perspective, either or. The movie doesn't ask you to side with Wyatt. I mean, it really doesn't. Mm-mm. It doesn't say, like, Wider was clearly, you know, these guys clearly need a tough hand. It doesn't tell you that at all. Mm-mm. Right? The movie just sort of, like, wants you to judge for yourself. And it's like, all right, I, I choose to watch another, another movie. Yeah, no <laughs> Yeah. Wyatt goes to the bar and talks to the bartender about a criminal who robbed a train. He tells Wyatt to go see Doc Holliday. They are looking for Dave Rudabra. Dave Rudabra. And so they go and see Doc Holliday, and we meet Dennis Quaid playing the role who lost 34 pounds for this part. And very much does look it. He looks sick and emaciated, something that Val Kilmer would not do, but that really didn't matter. But he does at least commit to the look of the character, so I will certainly give him that. His mannerisms and his accent are accurate to what Doc Holliday should have sounded like from everything I've read and understand about his performance and how much research he put into the role. So props to Dennis Quaid for that. Cool. Nobody remembers he played this role, though. 
I know. Yeah, so it kind of sucks. But listen, it, it is what it is. Remember Val Kilmer? I'll be your Huckleberry. Yeah, that's the thing. He has like the best lines in the movie, and and the fact is, even though Lawrence Kasdan is one of the greatest screenwriters of our time, or at least you know maybe the generation before his time, you know this is a really weak screenplay to be so long. I mean, this has got to be one of the weakest screenplays we've covered because this is a movie where people just kind of say how they feel about things, right? Yeah. Like the whole movie's like that. And the movie does perk up with Dennis Quaid's on screen, but not very much. It's like Costner is averse to any chemistry with any of these actors, with the exception of Johnny Cage. Like he has the best chemistry with Lyndon Ashby of all people playing his younger brother. Mm -hmm. Even though I think Bill Paxton was much better in that role. What do you think about the costume work in this film? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is is toned perfect in that respect in this movie. It really is. Like the way everything looks, the town, the sets, everything really has that authentic feel to it. Yeah, it's period accurate. At least it seems that way. Yeah, you can feel the budget in this movie. You really can. Ed forces a guy to give up his gun. But Ed gets shot and dies in Bat's arms. And this is a defining moment in both movies here. It's a little more dramatic in Tombstone mm-hmm. than, it, than it is here, but the point is the same. And uh, by the way, in uh, fun fact, uh, before he would actually uh, die, he would admit that this was an accidental shooting. Oh. Yeah, even though both movies portray it as a malicious act. Dope. Yeah, which I do find sort of interesting. That's how like history is going to look at it, but no, this certainly was looked at as a, just an accident. Why well, he gets a told by telegram of Ed's passing. He goes back to town, gets his gang, and cleans up the town. Doc Holliday finally makes it into town. Mm. A bunch of jerks ride through town and shoot at the saloon and Wyatt while they're carousing inside. Uh, yeah, well, we're setting up the players for some of the action here as things are beginning to escalate. But that's really a- about it, in all honesty. Then we get a fun scene where Big Nose Kate holds a gun to Doc Holliday because he hit her. And Wyatt ends up defusing the situation. And dunks Holiday's head in the water. Yeah, this is probably one of the cooler scenes that isn't in any other version. I don't know much about Doc Holiday and historical accuracy on anything like this. I don't either. But this is a good scene. This is one of those scenes where I liked his character and I liked his dilemma with, uh, um, what's her name? I forgot. Um, Big Nose Kate. Big Nose Kate. I uh, Kate. You know, Big Nose. Big Nose. <laughs> I just like the way the scene is played. Like, there's real tension between the two of them, and we know that the Doc's a piece of shit. And that's okay. He doesn't have to be a good person. He's not law. And then we see Ed Masterson's tombstone. And Wyatt tells Holiday and Bat he's leaving Dodge City for tombstone. So we set in motion's history here. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. this is where we'd stop the movie, and then we, we, we rolled a tombstone. And as I said, we, we're about the, the length of a normal film here. Just around 95 minutes is when this event occurs, when he gets a tombstone. The ladies all complain about their husbands always going with her brothers. Maddie gets upset at Wyatt's lack of emotion. Which, which he is. He he's, is. He's, he's like, a, like a piece of fucking wood. Yeah. He's just a wooden piece of shit walking through this movie being an ben asshole. Costner does a really yeah. bad job. Yeah, but that's the thing. Wyatt Earp was not a very talkative guy, apparently. So he's accurately portraying it. Once again, that's not a real fucking important thing. We're trying to make a movie here. Yeah, you're trying to make something entertaining. Yeah, exactly. That, that is the point. Or you're trying to say something profound, neither of which occur within the movie's three-hour-plus runtime. But I, I do enjoy what the scene is trying to accomplish of the girls really getting upset that they're going to follow Wyatt no matter what, even though that is not accurate at all. Virgil was the leader. Yeah. Two criminals get fined $7 in bail and hauled off. A group of criminals come in saying they will pay the bail. Wyatt takes note. 
So it's a scene in a courthouse and there's a guy that's been charged for something that I horse stealing or some shit like that. And the judge is basically telling him he's got to go to jail, but there's a bunch of people that come in from a gang and they're like, I'll pay your bill. Yeah. They want to ensure that he's actually not going to go to jail. And Wyatt takes note of all that. He certainly does. The sheriff talks to Wyatt, tries to convince him to back down, but Wyatt basically tells him to go fuck off. Wyatt spots a hottie in, in, in an entrance by her is entranced by her. Yeah, he, he really is. He's, he's immediately taken. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I do want to mention the sheriff here is, is pretty much a heel, right? Like the movie more than hints that he's in league with the he's Cowboys. In league or, with the, the gang. Which is, could not be further from the truth. He was the only guy trying to hold that town together. While the Cowboys are tearing apart and Wyatt Earp was going on his own personal vendettas, that homeboy tried to keep it together. And he gets made to be a cuck in one movie and basically a bad guy in this one. Yeah. So, <laughs> fuck that, right? They cross each other while walking. He offers to walk her for protection, but she's like, whatever, bitch, I don't need your protection. She is an interesting character, at least. I like the way she's played, and I suppose out of anybody, she has the nicest chemistry with Kevin, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I'm going to call him Kevin, because we know each other. Yeah, Kev. Little Kev. Little Kev. Yeah, little Kev. She had good chemistry with little Kev, but it's still not like smoldering intensely. There's not like this great love here or anything like that, right? No. It's just not that at all. Then finally we get some action where a bunch of guys start shooting in the air and at windows. A guy gets shot and there's a trial. Fred Wright was the guy who got killed. He's apparently a pretty big figure in the town. So everybody's really sad and the judge is pretty pissed. The guy who killed Wyatt spots the Jewish woman he's infatuated with because that's the girl that he's. Oh, yeah, I forget she's Jewish, so there's a lot of anti-Semitic stuff, you know, we're just slurs and stuff like that, you know. They make smoochy smooch. They make smoochy smooch, that's what they called it in the movie. McClary and his gang threaten Herb and Doc Holliday. They ride off. Wyatt tells his new love about his wife and burning the house down. This movie is so boring. What you say is literally, like, just really what happens. Like, there's almost no shade to it. Yeah, there's no, no shade to it, there's no... There's no, like, camera angle to, like, let us know, like, oh, this is what's really going on. Yeah. You know, like, the movie's just, like, straight on. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like, it's straight on all the action. Yeah. It's like nothing has any shade. It's all two-dimensional. I'm literally saying what happened. Yeah. I mean, like, characters would come. And that's why I was, like, you know, I know I kind of let some scenes go without saying anything, but that's all it is. Characters kind of babble about the situation and then they come to a conclusion and then they walk off and that's the end of the scene. We roll into another next scene that almost feels un- unrelated. Yeah. And I mean, this comes into a, a almost a tragic case at the OK Corral shootout, which feels like it's just a thing that occurs as opposed to like the whole point of the fucking movie. One of Wyatt's brothers comes to get him while he's in sex with his new love. He's in sex. He's in sex. He's in sex. I, I literally wrote that. He's mid thrust when his <laughs> brother is like grabs him by his ass and says, no, get out of her. We've got things to do. It's Maddie. She's OD'd. Yeah, Maddie has OD'd on Ludlum. Probably. Is that what that is? Ludlum. Ludlum. The guy who wrote the... Morphine. The guy who wrote the Born Identity. Yeah. Robert Ludlum. <laughs> is that who that is? She, she was... <laughs> it's Laudanum. Laudanum? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Pardon me. Pardon me. You help me with all the old-timey drug names. Allie takes care of her, one of the White Brothers' wives. She tells him to fuck off. Which I do like. She's just like, you're the fucking cause of this. You go and fuck your whore. Yeah. Yeah. 
Why goes to the bar and Doc Holliday comes to see him because he notices he's upset. Doc Holliday suggests he take Maddie to a mental facility. And he's like, just throw her away. <laughs> he's like, no, I won't do that. But I won't also won't pay attention to her and pr- kind of dump her at the end. Yeah, he's he's an asshole either way with yeah, anything that jerk. he picks. Yeah. Unless he was going to say, like, I'm, I'm going to stop my philandering ways and try to help my wife. That was the only thing that would have given him, like, a good guy pass. And he doesn't care. He's just like, well, you know, it's whatever. It's whatever. There's only so much left in the runtime. Earp brothers go to dinner, but Doc Holliday comes in and threatens Ike, who talks about killing the herbs. Earp? 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 Sorry, it's just a fun word. Josie shows up to where Wyatt is. <laughs> yeah. She wants him to leave with her. That's the, the woman that he's in love with. Yeah, Josie. But she doesn't want to leave. She's very dramatic. She tells him she loves him. But she's very, like, dramatic. Like, if a girl said some of the things that she said to another guy, yeah, some of this, she would be immediately put in that category of crazy. This love dialogue is like, how do I put it? It's, it's, it's like episode two. Like George Lucas kind of dialogue, right? Yeah. Like this sort of juvenile kind of love, right? Where you just profess these great proclamations of, of the feelings inside instead of, you know, showing us their chemistry yeah, or anything like that. I'm trying to think of that killer, that that woman killer that killed the guy. And you get to see pictures of it on online of the. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh, God damn it. It's never mind. I'm ruining the show. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. You brought this killer in here. I don't know what's going on. You're like, it's like this murder I was just reading about, right? No, it was a it was a girl who was obsessed with this guy. Mm-hmm. And there's pictures online of his last moments. Oh. Like he's in the shower. Jody Harris? Yes. See? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I feel like that Indian tracker meme. I just got like a couple of things like Jody Arias? Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. Her. She's yes. a lot like Jody Arias. <laughs> no. No, she's not. <laughs> no, she's she's not she's not too She talks like she's crazy. I I I guess. Wow, we went a long way for a Jody Arias comparison. Yeah. Jody Arias. I couldn't think I of the name. Yeah. Yeah, it's Jody Arias. Jody Arias. It's yeah. all the lifetime TV movie. That's the extent of my knowledge on that case. There's also pictures of her butthole, I think, on the web. I'll be back. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Siri, find, find Jody Aries' butthole. butthole. <laughs> okay, back to this. Long segue. Maddie tells Wyatt in a stupor that he needs to break up with Josie, but he tells her he doesn't have time for this shit. So he just puts he on just, the back burner and yeah. rolls out. Rolls out. Bump, bump, he knows, like, she's, like, constantly telling him that she's going to commit suicide if he leaves, and he leaves all constantly. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. He's like, yeah, if you die, that's great. One less thing I got to worry about. Wyatt's brother asks Wyatt how he wants to handle things, and he says he's going to go get some coffee. That's pretty much it. Just doesn't care. Shrugs it off. The am, I to, am I supposed to like Wyatt Earp? The McLaurys are moving in. Who's the hero of this movie? And the boys get ready. Virgil, played by Michael Madsen. Virgil. Tells Doc that they are just talking. Earps and Holiday strut through town to, to some intense music. Score is really good, actually. Yeah, the score is one of the better parts of this film. Mm-hmm. Score and like cinematography, costumes, art design. Virgil tells them to throw up there. Oh, their guns. Throw out their guns. Yeah. 
So th- this is another thing that's pretty historically accurate to how it occurred. The OK Corral, there was only 15 feet in that whole alleyway. Mm. Like really, really tight for five on five to be fighting, right? Yeah. That's a real, real tight space. So this movie kind of captures that pretty well, oddly enough. But what it doesn't capture is any of the tension. Yeah, or the fun. It just, ha- well, I mean, it, it, listen, it could be fun or it could be tense. You can build this great sense of dread coming to this big fight and the movie doesn't do it. It just happens. Yeah. Like it's almost a travesty how much it just occurs as opposed to like unfolds, you know, all of this drama, this tension, these things coming together to build to this moment and nothing is building to this moment. It just happens. Like when it occurred, I was like, cause this is where the voodoo print cut out on us because our, our time was up. And I was like, well, I think we're close to the OK Corral, mm-hmm. but we haven't done any of that work to be at the OK Corral yet. And sure enough, five minutes later, the fight happens and is over in a minute. Yeah, it's over super fast. Yeah, it's not particularly well shot. And with no tension to it, it's completely unmemorable. A gunfight pursues and a bunch of them get wounded and shot. Wyatt is unscathed by the whole ordeal. The sheriff tries to arrest Riot, but he's like, nah, bitch, I ain't getting arrested. The sheriff's like, nah, you're going to jail. He's like, nah. Summed up the whole thing. Pretty much, yeah. That was that was pretty much their interaction. But the, the Wyatt boys do have to go on trial. Can't just kill anybody you want. The wives of the Earps are pissed at Wyatt. Maddie is brought in after taking a bunch more drugs, making things a lot worse with the wives. The sheriff comes back with a warrant. And Josie and Maddie fight over Wyatt. Maddie is pretty pathetic in this movie. Yeah, they they really don't do her any favors in the character department. And I, and I thought Tombstone was rough, but this is way worse. Yeah, actually. this is way, way worse. worse. Way worse. This is embarrassing for her, like the people in her family. Even though Wyatt Earp did have another wife that he just abandoned. Yeah, had three wives. Mm-hmm. They find the Earps and Holiday not guilty at trial. Relatives of the McClurys glare at them at court. And then we have a scene where I think it's Morgan that is playing pool. Yeah, Morgan's playing pool. Yeah, Morgan's playing it's pool. Johnny Cage. And they're all talking. Yeah. And um, all of a sudden, Morgan Earp is shot. Fatality. Yeah. And then uh, a kid tells Virgil that Morgan needs him and he gets shot while going to him. Yeah, they shoot that kid right in the face. Not the kid. Oh, they shoot, shoot Virgil. Virgil. They shoot Virgil right in the arm. Yeah. So Virgil's walking down the way, and he's sh- and he's shot in the arm. Um, these uh, this is what did occur. Um, Virgil was shot in the arm and crippled. He had to remove pretty much the entire arm, whatever this bone is. You know what it's called off him? Tibula. Tibia. Tibia. Yeah. So they shot him in the tibia. <laughs> That's probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, like, probably in the lake. <laughs> they shot him in the scapula. <laughs> His solar plexus was destroyed. No, they, they shoot him in the arm and they had to remove most of the bone in there. Yeah, His arm's destroyed, but he does keep it. But obviously Morgan is killed. Uh, these events in real life did not occur on the same night as oddly enough, both films show them occurring on the same day. Or this one right at one after the other, even though they get the order the other way in, in Tombstone. But it, it is important that Virgil is shot. And then in real life, that was the way Morgan was taken out a few months later, also while playing pool. So that's accurate. Morgan dies and Wyatt is distraught. His wife comes in and she's also devastated. Yeah. Virgil is getting bullets taken out of his arm, which the doctor wants to take, but he won't let him. 
Doc Holliday is also upset. That I got one good arm to hug you with as he tells his wife that, which is also what he was reported to say in the historical record. Mm. So that's, I think that's in both films. I can't remember. I think it's in both films. We'll, 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 we'll find, find out when we watch Tombstone next week. Warren comes to see Wyatt, his little brother. Maddie tries to shoot Wyatt. He tells her to lay off her meds. She says, what do you care? It does stop reading the Ludlum books. They're no he, good for you. He says, I don't. Yeah, he's like, I don't give a fuck, lady. He just walks out. We get it. He's a jerk. Yeah, it's like, okay, I understand. You don't want me to like this guy. Thank you so much, Gaston. I don't like him. Great. It's really hard to tell who the bad guys are in this movie. Right? Is it Wyatt? Is Wyatt Earp the bad He's the one who's cheating yeah, on his wife the all the time. Yeah, the bad guys are Yeah, yeah maybe the Earps are the bad guys. Maybe that's what this movie was trying to say the whole time. The Earps are just a bunch of pieces of shit. Wyatt hides why the bad guys come upon the train car. Why overkills one of the guys. Overkill. There's another warrant out for their arrest. So uh, this is the the train sequence, right? Yeah. Sorry, I'm just blazing through this. No, no, no. It's fine. Like the train sequence takes forever. Yeah. Like it builds and it builds. Like here's all the tension that was supposed to be in the OK Corral scene. And we get it here for some reason. And I have no idea why. And when it builds, it just like he just pops out and shoots the guy. Like there's no sense of geography to it. It's just a big, confusing scene. Yeah. And it takes a long time. It doesn't add to anything. It doesn't feel like anything. It's just something that occurs again. And I just don't know why so much attention was paid in this scene as though it was the finale of the film, which it is not. Yeah, I know. There's still more. There's still more. Why is now an outlaw cowboy? Yeah. Why? It he was gives, actually a marshal at the time. So why it gives John his will. Dog Holiday and Wyatt kill Indian Charlie. They do. Take him out. Just when you think the movie's going to fucking end, it doesn't. A gunfight ensues. And then 17 years later. <laughs> I like how you just skip past the gunfight. But yes, there is another poorly choreographed gunfight. It's over in like five seconds. Yeah, I think they wanted to keep it realistic. And they do cover that Wyatt Earp was never, ever wounded or shot. Uh, he never was in his life. So that's pretty impressive for a guy who got in so many goddamn gunfights. Yeah, no kidding. And and that, that's about it. And, and, you know, Tombstone does have the equivalent. It's that really funny scene where Kurt Russell's like, no, like that scene. And th- that's the equivalent. But you remember that, right? Yeah. You don't remember this scene. No. Even after a couple of days, like I'm struggling to remember anything notable in it. And it just occurs. I also was running out of room on That's my fine. paper, yeah. and I was like, I'm not wasting another piece of paper on this. Yeah, the, the vengeance run is just almost sort of a speed run in this movie. It's not incredibly interesting. It's like the movie just wants to get to this end piece with, when they go to Africa. Africa. When they go to Alaska, pardon me. Africa. <laughs> the, the silver rush of, of, of Africa. No, they go to Alaska. Wyatt is on a ship, and a kid comes up. He tells, and then this is where we get. A story about wider. Yeah, we get like 10 minutes of them to tell this story where this guy's uncle was arrested because he had killed a very, very popular card shark in the town. And because of this, the people in town wanted this guy's head because everybody loved that card shark. So Wyatt Earp is the only person in the jail to protect him. The mob is out there with their pitchforks and, and everything burning and they're ready to tear it down. And he comes out and he's like, well, I tell you what, you might be able to get past me. But I'm certainly going to take out a few of you. Is it going to be you? And points his gun at character after character until they all decide, eh, screw it. It's not worth it. Because he probably would take out like five or six or maybe ten of them. But he was really good with his gun. (laughs) It very easily could have killed quite a few of them before they were able to get past them. And so he ends up saving that guy's life. And the movie just recaps this story. And at the very end, it goes like, well, I guess that's how it 
how it might have happened. Like the movie's trying to make this great comment on the nature of the legend and stuff like that. But I mean, it's way too late to do that work at this point in the movie. Like you're literally like five seconds away from the final credits rolling. And so it does this and it's, it doesn't really work. And, and by the way, this is a story that's been accredited to Wyatt Earp for some time. This is actually from a book of, of stories about Wyatt Earp that were not true at all. Oh. So this did not occur to him. This event did happen, but it happened to Virgil and a bunch of other sheriffs. There was like 18 people and a posse helped defuse it. Oh. It was not wider by himself defending this one person as it was told in this book and retold in this film. So that is sort of the point of the legend line. But this isn't a movie about the legend versus the real man, right? Mm-mm. It's not about that at all. You can't fucking do that right at the end of the movie. It's just another misstep and strange bit in this film. It's it's. I was glad it was over. Yeah. This movie had no point and just kind of wanders around for Three hours plus. I gave it a three. And just ends. Yeah, that's about the appropriate spot. I think it has great production value. There's a few nice moments here and there. There's great bits for historical accuracy here and there. But otherwise, it's a lousy film, and I don't recommend it at all. And that's out of ten, by the way. Yeah, I, I don't recommend it at all. Yeah. Here's some facts about White Earp. The real White Earp six-shooter was loaned by the Earp Museum and used in some scenes during a number of close-ups. Tombstone 93 was being filmed at the same time nearby and bought up most of the period clothing in the region. Clothing had to be imported from Europe, delaying production. Yeah, this was a a fierce, fierce competition between these two productions, and that was one element of it. Dennis Quaid lost 30 pounds, which we talked about, Mm -hmm. to play Doc Holliday, who suffered with tuberculosis. He lost so much weight, he lacked the energy to stand for long periods of time and had to take breaks and he certainly does look emaciated so i will give him credit on that he certainly does look that part yeah that, that's good on him it really is Wyatt Earp is often erroneously regarded as the central figure in the shootout near ok corral but his brother virgil was tombstone city marshal and deputy u.s marshal that day and the far more seasoned lawman and he had far more experience as sheriff constable marshal and soldier in combat yeah definitely Wyatt, being the most famous brother, originated largely from his own self-promotion. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I talked about a little bit early on. Him trying to repair his reputation eventually turned him into the hero of the OK Corral gunfight. Mm -hmm. And we see how that worked, as he is now one of the greatest heroes in Western history, even though that's not entirely true. Can you guess how many siblings Wyatt Earp actually had? Six. Seven. Oh, I was close. Actually, technically eight. Oh, really? Yeah. Seven siblings. James. Virgil, Martha, Morgan, Baxter Warren, Virginia, Adelia, and also an elder half-brother named Newton from his father's first marriage. Mm, all right. Yeah. So that's all the, the Wyatt children, or the Earp children. Earp, the Wyatt children. I prefer that term. Herp was busy. Yarp. In an interview with Empire in 2017, Michael Madsen, Virgil, criticized the film and stated that he regretted appearing in it. He said, and I quote, it's long, it's stupid and boring. It's a giant close-up of Kevin for three fucking hours. The only reason I did it is because I wanted to walk down the goddamn street to the OK Corral. If I knew the movie was going to be that fucking boring and stupid, I would have taken a fucking taxi cab. (laughs) I like the way it refers to it, but yeah, that's pretty correct. I'm glad he can see it as such, because 
like I said, this is a Kevin uh, Kevin Costner vanity project. Yeah. 100% all the way through. It ends up being a vanity project for him, and the whole movie suffers because of it. Mm-hmm. Instead of making this a cohesive narrative about the shootout, the OK Corral, the herbs descent into law enforcement, and and the vengeance that had to came from that and everything. I mean, this is just about Wyatt Earp dealing with issues, yeah. and that's it. You know, like everything is from Wyatt Earp's perspective instead of drawing a nuanced portrayal and perspective that would be interesting. It doesn't have to be historically accurate. It just needs to be interesting. And this movie failed at that miserably. Mm-hmm. I can't agree with Michael Manson anymore. And I didn't think that'd be something I would say today. A 21 year old Marion Morrison. Do you know who Marion Morrison is? Marion Morrison. Bit of acting trivia. I do not. John Wayne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A 21-year-old Marion Morrison, otherwise known as John Wayne, met 80-year-old Wyatt Earp on the set of John Ford movie. Marion is the 12th great-grandson of John and Agnes, who is a cousin to Earp. So he's actually related to Earp and distant. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird to think, but there is a great generation of Hollywood heavyweights and legends that we think of that actually knew Wyatt Earp because he was in Hollywood at a very early time. It's weird to think that the Wild West wasn't that far ago. And the Earps had so many children for that day. Yeah, yeah, they really did. Especially, I think only one didn't make it past childhood. I think one of the daughters died at 11. We have reviews for this movie at a 3.9 user review, 31% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 6.7 on IMDb. I chose, of course, a 10-star review. As you should. This review is called Highly Underrated and Worthwhile Western Epic. And this man is insane. (laughs) It's a good way to put it. As an owner of the Wyatt Earp Extended Director's Edition, I can tell you that I thought the film was neither too long or too slow, as some attention span deficient critics have labeled it. Mm. Admittingly, I have seen shorter movies and movies with more wall-to-wall action. I'd hope you'd seen shorter films. But I am patient enough to enjoy the slow, enveloping experience of a Tarkovsky film. He only watches this and he just watches the five-hour cut of Heaven's Gate. When this film came out, I couldn't convince anyone to see it with me, so I had to go alone. I was blown away by the cast, the performances, the writing, and the movie. The cast was terrific. Even bit characters as well-known actors in this film. Gene Hackman was his superb self as white, stern, but loving father. He is good. The film didn't skip over significant elements in Wyatt's life like most of the film's versions do. His transformation from a young adventure farmer's son to a fearless and feared lawman is believable and compelling. Believable, sure. The cinematography was fantastic and was deservedly written up by... Up in an issue of American Cinematographer magazine. Yeah, no, the movie does look gorgeous. I will say that. You know, this is a good 35 millimeter print. You know, it does look really good. On a side note. Side note. I think this film works well as an allegory to current events. Granted, he's in 2003. He's in 2003. So he's not current current events. These are, these are retro current events. The United States is represented by Wyatt and the Wild West is the world. Like the UN, Ed Masterson tries to get Wyatt to become less strict and hard-nosed in the application of law. Ed gets killed because he is too affable. Like France and Russia, the corrupt sheriff, Johnny Behan, Mark Hammond, tries to get Wyatt to sell out because there is enough money for everybody if he just looks the other way. Wyatt is too rigidly principled for either of those two men, but restrains his dignity and honor. 
Well, that's certainly one interpretation of it. Yeah. I would just look at it as a dull piece of crap. But hey, listen, I, I'm glad that guy was able to find some value in it. He loved it. He, he really did. He really did. I'm, gl- I'm glad somebody loved it. He compared, he compared it to the UN. To the UN. Yeah. I've never... I had to, I had to read that review. Yeah, no, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. And, th- and that's the the final word on the review and our final word on Wyatt Earp. And I we can start talking about Tombstone and get into. Oh, that's right. In the year of our Lord, 1994, Roger Ebert was very much alive. And he and Gene Siskel were able to review Wyatt Earp. Do you think they liked the film? No. That's right. She's already seen this, so she knows that they fucking trashed this movie and did not like it. I did check. Eber gave it one star and one star only, and his written review was o- almost more callous than this one right here. He really disliked the movie. I can't stress that enough. Uh, luckily, this week, I do have audio from the guys themselves, so I don't have to read anything. Our next movie is Wyatt Earp, and this one is a real disappointment, a long, slow, disorganized telling of the life story of the legendary Marshall. The movie was directed by Lawrence Kasdan, who made Silverado, and it stars Kevin Costner, who made Dances with Wolves, and yet their touch for the Western fails them here, and we get a movie that tries to tell us everything about Earp and ends up leaving us over-informed and under-entertained. Young man, how'd you like a job? I got a job over five, Jim Farrell. $75 a month. I don't know, being a deputy isn't exactly... I'll make it 100 but don't try and hold me up for $100? Dennis Quaid lost 38 pounds to play the role of the tubercular Doc Holliday and creates one of the few memorable supporting performances in a movie where most of the villains and many of the good guys seem poorly defined. Dave Rudabaugh is an ignorant scoundrel. I disapprove of his very existence. I considered ending it myself on several occasions, but self-control got the better of me. The movie just about throws away the famous gunfight at the O.K. Corral, which is almost over before we know it started. But a later sequence involving a deadly game of cat and mouse at night at a train station seems to go on forever, and we still can't figure out what's happening. Wyatt Earp is beautifully photographed, and it has some fine individual moments, but at more than three hours, it tells us both more and less than we really want to know. Yeah, I was very bored, particularly by the opening hour of the film, and I thought the tone was wrong, and I think... Frankly, Kevin Costner was too sort of mock heroic in the way he was presenting himself. And some of the sequences, like the Buffalo Stampede, Mm -hmm. didn't even look good. We were focusing on the looks of movies on this show. And then the final sequence in the picture, which I guess is telling you what you're supposed to believe, which is that things aren't the way the legends were. Well, well, come on, of course we knew that. The movie is over by then. Don't, if he can't, if it... If they haven't made their point by then, they're never going (laughs) to... This needed a significant rewrite. And they're 100% right. This was a really bad script and absolutely did need that rewrite. Mm-hmm. I didn't get it. Three stars, and I think I'm being generous. Yeah, generous. three out of ten. Yeah, three out of ten. Really lousy. Really lousy. So we're looking forward to next week and taking a look at Tombstone, a movie we mm-hmm. both enjoy. And we'll certainly have a lot more pep on our step for that review as opposed to how Wyatt Earp wore us down over three different days this week. That's Not pretty impressive kidding. for one movie to do. Yeah. You know, e- even like the It miniseries didn't wear us down that much. No. Yeah, it really didn't. And that, I'd that's, rather watch that. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I certainly would too. Yeah. So uh, with that, um, once again, if you want to get a hold of us, it's grittyrebootcast at gmail.com or grittyreboot at Instagram or TikTok. Uh, Meredith, what are your socials? I don't have socials. That's right. Fuck social media. You don't even need to contact her. But if you need to get a hold of me, you can look for Pedro Amador on uh, Twitter, for, or pardon me, X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, occasionally I go there, but, you know, it's been a while, so uh, probably Instagram or Twitter. TikTok's the best way to get a hold of me. Listen, if people are like, hey, I want to hear from Meredith, then I'll get, a, I'll get an Insta. 
You'll get an Insta? I'll get an Insta. What if, what if they want you to get a snap? I don't I don't even know what that is. Okay. What, what about TikTok? Mm. You're not, not, you too good for TikTok, huh? Mm. Too good for TikTok? I don't like social media. Mm. I just have Facebook because I've had it forever. As you should. I don't even use Facebook. Yeah. I'm, I'm beyond it. I beyond? Don't, I don't use it much either. I'm a voyeur on there. Just, yeah, you just lurk. It's in the background. Just looking, looking what what everybody's doing. You're looking at everybody's window and liking Eve. certain things, not liking others. Like, no, it's not worth a like. Giving, he doesn't giving it. smiley faces and wow faces and. Tell me more about how you use. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.